The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15 tonight, it's the Passion View. That's when the girlfriends get together. We'll talk about sexual FOMO, fear of missing out, and uh, whatever other topics uh, come up. That's coming up after 10.15. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Feel free to email me your questions as well to Lori at drlaurie.com anytime or during the show you can text me at 514-800. Now before I answer any questions, I had this, uh, well it's an idea sparked really by a, a listener who wrote in with uh, some of her own ideas of what she'd like to see more of on passion and it got me thinking we are moving into our 22nd year on the air so every few years you know you you want to keep things a little fresh you want to revamp I think we need a maybe a tad of a makeover so I need your ideas though I want to know because it's obviously all about the listener and what you want to hear and what um what you know not just topics but what segments do you like? Which ones do you get the most of? Which ones you don't like? Uh, any any panels or uh, segments that you would want to see that we don't have? So I want your feedback. I want your uh, your constructive criticism, if you will. Uh, don't worry, I have a thick skin. I can handle it. Uh, just uh, tell me. Tell me what it is. We want, always want to. We strive to make the show better, but also to uh, keep, you know, to to address your needs as well. That's really, really important to me. So please send that along to me. You can email me with some of your thoughts. You can text me with your thoughts as well. Five one four eight hundred or text or uh, email me to Lori at drlaurie.com. I can't believe it's been. Uh, 21 years on the air already this month and uh, so yeah I think it's time every every so often it's time to rethink look at what the needs are the needs change also right and uh, our interests may change so uh, let's see what we can add take away or, or what have you uh, let's see, I have a text here from uh, JD who wrote, uh, how, this was from last week actually, how can we get some sort of agency to help people that have mental issues instead of calling the cops? Basically, the thought of sending cops to someone's house who needs help scares me these days. I agree with you, it's not fun, but when somebody is, um, when you feel somebody is being a danger to themselves or to others, the fastest way is to call 911. Like there is no emergency agency that just deals with that. We know that the police department, when they are aware that it's a mental health issue, so you would tell them that, they usually have uh, training in this area. Uh, does it always work? No. Is it all? Are they always sensitive? Maybe not. But nonetheless, it, it's the one thing you can do. I know that when you call 911 and, and somebody is is having some kind of mental breakdown or they seem to be a danger to themselves, they'll send an ambulance, but they probably also send the police because they don't know the situation and they don't know if the situation will become violent or um, or not. So uh, listen, I, I feel for what you're saying and I, I totally get it, but that is the route to go if somebody is um, 
you know, a danger to themselves or to others. Uh, this is uh, from uh, Dennis, so he, it's okay for me to say his name because he signs his name. Uh, hello, Dr. Laurie. I've accepted a position in the United States. I'm leaving next month, but you and Passion will be coming along with me. Where is the U.S., you may ask? Let me say no snow, no cold, sun and surf. You are thinking Florida or Southern California. I do not think I will tell you. I do not want to get anyone jealous or envious, but I will only say this. On December 25th, instead of Merry Christmas, it will be Mele Kalikimaka. So uh, can someone give me, is that a clue? Where is this person going? (laughs) We should make this a trivia question. Uh, 514-800, if you have a question about sex, your relationship, something that you want to get off your chest and you uh, want a little bit of guidance or advice or you want referrals or anything like that, I would love you to uh, be in touch at 514-800. I've always been really curious about a single topic. What would be the normal smell or taste of a woman's vagina? I had heard some men talking about it as salty or sour, but I really don't know what's true. Also, I would like to know if the pubic hair is a non-hygienic thing and if it's related with some smell in the vagina. So, first of all, there is not a quote-unquote normal smell to a vagina because each vagina can have its own particular uh, odor. Uh, usually the odor is mild, slightly sour smelling, or maybe musty, uh, smelling, but many factors can have an effect on, uh, vaginal odor. It could be, and same with, uh, penile fluids, I should say ejaculation. Um, so the foods that you eat for women, their menstrual, where you are in your menstrual cycle, the soaps that you use, even stress level can, can affect, um, the, the pH levels in your, in your vagina. If a vagina has a strong fishy smell, then it is a sign of a bacterial infection. If it has a rotten smell, I know it's gross, right? Think about that. It could very well be that a tampon was left in there. And believe it or not, this happens more often than we would like where uh, a, a tampon gets lost in there or you put one in, in think, put another one in thinking you took out the other one, but you didn't. And so it gets lodged in there. You can't find the string uh, and such. So there's that. When you talk about pubic hair, look, it's perfectly hygienic to have pubic hair, even though you know, it's really trendy these days to just take it all off and very few people have none of those. Um, so in women with a lot of pubic hair, you might notice a, uh, a mustier smell and that's due to, uh, sweating. So the bottom line is that vaginal smells should not be overpowering. Okay. Uh, if they are, there may be something going on and a gynecologist needs to have a look at that, especially if there are other symptoms as well. Usually there's more than just a, a, a really foul odor, but there's itching or rash or something, uh, something else. But again, very, very strong smell might be indicative of something else. 
Coming up in the program, very excited to have uh, Paris and Dania, my uh, two friends who join me uh, every month for The Passion View. We'll talk about all kinds of things, but one thing that a lot of people seem to experience, and let me know if you do, sexual FOMO, fear of missing out. And uh, by the way, the trick question, well, not the trick, the trivia question, where is Dennis going to be living? It is Hawaii. I should have thought of that, actually. <laughs> so there you go. Have a, Well, it'll be nice. You'll be listening to us from, uh, from Hawaii. Uh, next up, the Passion View. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. One of my favorite times of the month, it is the Passion View when my girlfriends join me and I have to say I miss them in studio with me. It's not the same, but we all have to make do. Uh, We've got Paris Mansouri of Parisology.com. You can hear her every Friday at 9 with John Paul. She's a frequent CJD uh, contributor, fills in for me when I'm not around. Uh, We have uh, Dania Beznos, uh, who is an entrepreneur. She's a mom, stepmom, grandma of three boys. I should mention Paris is... uh, is single now for a few years. <laughs> Hi, Paris. <laughs> you always get, like, anytime we have you on the show, I don't know, everybody wants to be fixed up with you. It's funny because it's on and off single, I feel like in the past four or five years. It hasn't been full single. Right. But yeah, it's been fun. That's what yeah, it's but been. Lately, you've been a wanted woman, Paris. Yes. I have. (laughs) Yes. Last show, you could have had quite a few dates. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I did get quite a few emails after that. So I'm not getting involved. You can find her. She's easy to find. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, you got a lot of new followers on Facebook. That's so funny. Whatever. I miss you. Like, you have no idea. I haven't seen you in months. We used to see each other very regularly. and I miss, Weekly? Yes, that, yes, Almost. pretty much weekly. And I miss your hugs, and uh, I miss my friend Paris. So, Dania I get to see because we, we live in the same neighborhood. We socialize in, in the backyard, so it's been, uh, it's been okay. Uh, have you been, Paris? Me? Yeah. I am really good. Yeah? I'm you... loving this life. I'm loving this I... life. You have, like, not left your home. I Well, mix. I would say uh, last week was the first time I went to the post office. I've been fine. <laughs> Self-isolating. I work from home. Uh, honestly, I'm very, very fortunate. So I can't, I honestly can't complain. It's just, I'm a yes person. So I'm always saying yes to different events. Uh, from whether it's,
sexual FOMO. Okay, so we've heard, everybody's heard about FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. But there's also sexual FOMO, the fear of missing out on sex. So apparently there was a survey done and it found that more than two thirds of those who responded experienced sexual FOMO at least some of the time. Imagine two thirds and more than one third reported feeling FOMO, sexual FOMO, most of the time or always. So it seems to be the norm, this uh, sexual fear of missing out, and it apparently more so with women than with men. And when asked what do people miss out on, both men and women said, uh, talked about uh, frequency, passion, and spontaneity in their sexuality. So my question to both of you is, do you ever experience sexual FOMO and where do you think it comes from? Danya? Well, first of all, I think it happens more with women because women talk about it more. I don't think men sit around and talk about sex. I think women do that more. And yes, I've experienced it. I'm like, are these people really telling the truth? (laughs) Right. Uh (laughs) Am I normal? Weigh in and just, you know, embellish a little bit <laughs> I'm not sure what I should do that's so uh, yes I have experienced it okay all right so some of the time not all the time not all the time right right yeah sometimes I lead the conversation oh talking about your great sex you mean mm-hmm. uh-huh so people are looking at you saying oh, I'm not having sex like Dania what am I that's what am right. I missing out on that's right <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Paris? Ever experienced this? I think that having, well, I'm Middle Eastern, and I think the way, and I, again, I can't generalize for all Middle Eastern parents and how they teach their children, but the way it's approached and so much, like I, I never grew up in a religious family, and I don't want people to think my parents are like all about the honor of the family. Mm-hmm. It's not about that at all. It was just a more precocious approach, a more um, conservative approach, uh, not the kind of home where boyfriends are allowed in the house at 15 or 16 or 21. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it's, a, it's not even in terms of strictness, but, you know, certain things are supposed to be meaningful and you're not supposed to be promiscuous. So that whole approach to it, not necessarily that it was ingrained in me. I still have a lot of those conservative beliefs. Mm-hmm. I just think that a lot of times when my friends at 17, 18, 19 were experimenting, I definitely didn't allow myself to. And so then I thought I was missing out until I started working on your show and producing your programs and in interviewing adult entertainers and hearing them talk about being able to explore their sexuality and mm-hmm. what they're able to do on set. And it's stuff that people don't get to do in real life. And I realized that we are all missing out and the porn stars are <laughs> The ones who are really experimenting <laughs> with their sexuality. So I don't have FOMO having worked on your shows because I know now that we're all missing out and the porn stars are living the life when it comes to uh, discovering their sexuality. You know, I, I want to point out the other thing too. When you hear people talking, they don't, you don't, rarely hear people talking about the issues they're having in the bedroom. You rarely hear guys telling no. each other, 
uh, men, you know, it was the worst sex or I haven't had sex in a long time or I come too fast or whatever it is, right? So they're not, you only hear from the guys who like, oh, I had a great sex last night. So it's easy to feel like you're not like, oh, that's not happening to me. Like, so there is that, you could develop a little bit of that FOMO in those environments. So people generally, those who have issues tend to stay quiet and, and maybe not engage in that conversation. Right. Uh, so maybe, I mean, that's where it comes from. Right. And it comes from, it comes from the media also. It's like women love rom-coms and why do we call them chick flicks and things like that? What happens in those movies, right? Spontaneous and passion and, it's, it's all great and the guys know exactly what to do and they know exactly what you need and it's, but it's all fantasy. And so, I mean, this is a, a big problem if we try to live up to, uh, that fantasy. So there we, was, go ahead, Danny. Makes us feel like we're missing out on something, like something's, something's not the same wrong. in our life. What's wrong, right? Right. And yeah. if only we knew I mean, if you look at statistically, one in four couples, one in four marriages uh, have sex less than 10 times a year. That's 25%. Wow. Yeah. So that's quite a lot. So you're talking Mm -hmm. about a a good chunk that probably don't talk about it, probably feel like they're not in the norm and what have you. But that's, you know, that's part of the norm of, I don't want to say that's normal or the norm. It's not about normal because it all depends on why people are sexless. Um, But nonetheless, it's like when you start hearing things around you and when you watch these movies and when you talk to a bunch of people, this is what what comes up. And I think it can make us feel quite inadequate. Paris, would you agree with that? I do. I just wonder because I've, um, w- you know, listened to your TED talk and when you were talking about passion and marriage and how to keep it alive, how to keep the spark alive. And your first year, or your first six months should not be representative of how you the live rest, the rest yeah. of your life in couples. And I, I think that gave me a different perspective. Not obviously, we all know the honeymoon period does phase. But when you say a sexless marriage, at what point does like, is a marriage considered sexless? Because like you said, it varies for every couple. Right. Well, the definition it, the definition that was put out there and, and that was researched is less than 10 times a year would be considered sexless. But that, but again, that could be very normal that, you know, that's about once every, once a month, once every six weeks, whatever wow. that is. And for some couples, that's perfectly normal. Nobody's upset with it. Nobody... Nobody uh, is frustrated and it works for them. So that's, that's normal. They may not have fear of missing out because this works for them. I guess, but you have to invoke the hall pass rule. Pardon? I said you'd have to invoke the hall pass rule at that point. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know how many marriages have a hall pass rule, but... uh, Is that not discussed? In my on first date, isn't that the, the hall pass that you would give a hall pass to somebody? We could talk about hall passes. I I don't know, but Danya, do you, do you do you get a hall pass? <laughs> have you ever discussed this? Because I have. Yeah, I know who Irwin's is, but I haven't figured out who mine is yet. Oh, okay. Well, if it's somebody who's really out of reach and and famous, I mean, yeah, okay, you can fantasize all you want about that hall pass. What's the likelihood of it happening? 
Well, I'd be really upset if Irwin's Hall Pass was like a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that way. Would... <laughs> she's a famous movie star that he could never be with. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you imagine? Nope. Whoa, a couple of That's te- a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of <laughs> texts here. I think guys are on porn with some sort of fantasy FOMO there. Lots of visually sexy women or men for guys to dream and masturbate about. Endless and even addictive for some. Very true. Um, everyone thinks they are missing out. Fact is, maybe we are, but it may not be as exciting if we felt we are not missing out. So maybe something to to strive for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, another text of porn stars. I think those girls and guys aren't all they're hyped up to be. Stressful, competitive, and health-endangering livelihood. A lot of burnout, especially for the women porn stars. Of course, Paris can certainly tell us more about that. She's interviewed so many porn stars. Right, Paris? <laughs> I have. Yes, you. yes, you have just a Couples few. Couples and uh, single, you know, single performers and people who uh, both partners are adult entertainers. Right. Very interesting dynamics. Yeah, you do those when I'm not around for some reason. Um, <laughs> when you're, yeah, exactly. All right, coming up, I want to talk about um, speaking about FOMO. But somebody wrote a book called Magnificent Sex. What are the elements that make up real? great sex rather than fantasy. That's coming up on The Passion View after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight, The Passion View, one of my favorite nights uh, when uh, my girlfriends join me and uh, we talk about all kinds of things and and whatever really uh, comes up. We've got Paris Mansouri, who is uh, a frequent CJD uh, contributor. She's the founder of Parisology.com. You can hear her on Fridays at 9 p.m. with John Paul talking about... uh, um, apps, uh, new apps. She is uh, divorced. She's single, um, has been on and off for a few years. And we have got Dania Beznos, who is a mom, a stepmom, and a grandmom of three boys. She is also an entrepreneur. So we've been talking about fear of missing out and where it all comes from. But actually, I want to read you a poem from the passion poet who captures <laughs> us all. So I found it uh, very special because it's about us. So here it is. Um, us men hearing these sexy voices, our minds start to wander and ra- wonder and race as the conversation heats up. Hearts beat at an alarming pace with Lori's soothing voice mellowing the air, but she is a married woman, so we won't be going there. Then there's Paris Mansouri and her Parisology. If you ever saw her photos, you would have a different philosophy. Rounding out the trio is Dania, making for great conversations. Subjects can get very interesting, causing an after 10 sensation. This poem was written for fun. I hope it brought a smile. You are all very beautiful women, all with a unique sex style that's so nice he's great he's great <laughs> that's really he's special amazing. dr Lori, are you putting these together into a book of some kind oh man i'm saving them I, he he's not even saving them himself i don't know why but what? they're uh, yeah I haven't, and unfortunately, I didn't print them all up, so I've got a bunch, but uh, (laughs) he's he's getting, he has his own fan club, I just want to say, from passion. So anyway, let's get back to talking about 
uh, FOMO. So the fear of missing out on sexuality. Why are we talking about this? Part of it is because of fantasy versus reality. Our expectations of what great sex is based on what we're fed in the media and growing up or, or what have you, uh, and all that, all those fantasies that we create, all these expectations. Um, but what is it? What are the elements that make up real great sex? Forget the fantasy, but the real stuff. So, um, Peggy Klein Platz, who's, a a professor and a researcher of positive sexology, she calls it. Uh, she's in Ottawa, a very longtime friend and, and colleague. She published a book recently uh, called uh, Magnificent Sex. Okay, So one finding, and it's based on research, so uh, one main finding was that magnificent sex participants rarely believe sex should be spontaneous or passionate. Their approach to sex, so these are people who say they have great sex, okay? Uh, Their approach to sex means regularly exploring and communicating about sex. They find it exciting to learn new things about their partner and themselves. They plan what they want to do for themselves and exchange those ideas with their partners, which is the antithesis of spontaneity. Remember, there's a myth out there that says that great sex has to be spontaneous sex. So let's just dispel that right there. Um, Significantly, those who struggle sexually tend to look at these same considerations as work. So in other words, the effort that goes into the planning, the communicating, they think it shouldn't require this amount of effort slash work, right? But we all know, like I think we can we can certainly talk about what what makes great sex at least um, for women. Like how easy is it to have spontaneous sex? Danya, as a married longtime woman and with well, children, yeah, it depends what's going on in your life, but that whole other part is not work. It's part of the intimacy and the excitement, I guess, leading up to the time that you're going to try all the stuff that you mm-hmm. that you are fantasizing about or talking about. And I think that's really intimate and very sexy. And and just being able to share too, like what is right. it? What is it that I like? Things change. Let's remember this, right? We've got as we age and as we change what we like, what we liked at 30 may not be what we like at 50. So if you don't talk about it and your partner does the same move over and over again, because he doesn't know because you didn't tell him. So part of that is, is really important. Now, if you're able, go ahead, Paris. But if you're able to talk about it that intimately, then obviously you have a very close, good relationship which is also a big part of having great sex, right? Um, Agreed. Uh, Paris, what do you think? Like you said, it changes over time. But I also think that our expectations, like you were talking about, we know what we want at this time, but we don't know. We're not educated. I I think you and I have had this conversation before. You know, we're not taught in school. We're barely taught sex ed and we're not aware of the transitions that our bodies go through mm-hmm. and we don't know I mean you know you hear about menopause like at a certain age you'll hear your mom start talking about it but you don't really know what it means what does it mean for her sex life how should she adjust 
how should the husband adjust? How should they prepare for it? What should they be talking about? And it, it isn't, changes over time. It yes, it changes over time, but that's not where I think the problem lies. The problem lies in not being able to have discussions about realistic expectations of relationships. You know, you mentioned that Paris earlier, like from my my TEDx talk that talked about uh, long in long term relationships. That new the new factor doesn't last forever, but mm-hmm. we don't talk about the evolution of sexuality in relationships. Who talks about that? You're never going to hear this in sex education. Ever. You barely talk no. about anything in sex education other than the basic sciences. I mean, you don't even talk about consent in sex education, never mind the deeper, you know, psychological conversations around it. I also think that this is makes a case for having like pre-marriage workshops where you actually address expect like realistic expectations of the kinds of efforts you're going to have to make uh, in your marriage. You know, you, you don't just get married and, and think, okay, everything's going to be just as great as it's always been. And it's never going to change. Um, we need to be able to learn that as well to, to talk about that. But who tells young people these things? Who tells anyone these things? <laughs> we are. <laughs> we do. We burst bubbles here on passion. <laughs> um, but look. But it is it is true. It's a very important thing to know because you, you, it could ruin a marriage if you can't talk about it or, you know, things just get keep going and going and get worse and worse. And then, you know, you either seek help or you don't. And it could ruin your marriage. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to. Right. It doesn't have to if you understand no. if your expectations are realistic. Like in terms of the work that's involved, like there's work, there's commitment. It's not so much work. It's it, you do have to put in um, an effort, right? Like we all have really busy lives. Yeah. Who wouldn't want sex to be easy and spontaneous? Of course. But is that mm-hmm. the reality of life? It is not the reality, which means that we have to put in effort. We have to put in some work uh, into that if we want it yeah. to, uh, to be good. And look, everybody, sexual FOMO is, is everywhere. But if, if we just lust after uh, spontaneous sex, effortless sex, it's going to increase the likelihood that we're going to have more sexual dysfunction and lower sexual satisfaction that takes us off the track of having amazing, amazing sex. So Mm -hmm. again, it's that level of expectations. On the other hand, the sexual FOMO might be good for us in the sense that it can remind us to stay active. It it puts sexuality in the forefront. Like it, it, it reminds us that we have to put, uh, some, uh, some efforts into that. So uh, speaking about putting some efforts, especially into pleasure and prioritizing pleasure coming up with the passion view with uh, Paris Mansouri and Daniel Beznos, we're going to talk about, uh, porn, uh, porn and women. The audience port, the porn audience is 30%, 30 to 40% female. So why do so many women watch is it for the same reason that men watch we will find out and we'll discuss this with the passion viewer passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 
talking about sex with the girlfriends here, Paris Mansouri and Dania Beznas. I uh, always love having the conversation with these uh, ladies, some of my favorite people in the whole wide world. We've got some texts here. Um, Adapting with age, especially in shared sexuality within a couple, I always salute and admire people who successfully navigate that. And to navigate, you have to have really good sexual conversation, but that involves vulnerability and intimacy and and feeling of safety. And not all relationships have a lot of these uh, these elements. And if they don't, they should. Uh, And then you can certainly work on a relationship so that you have that. Uh, Dr. Lori, mid-80s, grade 11. Love and sexuality was the first half of our religion course, followed by death and dying. By the way, only three out of 30 fellow students had had their parents talk to them about sex. Are those numbers higher today? The numbers may be slightly higher today, but I still think we have uh, a large group of parents who are still uncomfortable with it because they grew up in an era where their parents didn't talk about it, so it's not always such an easy topic to... um, to address Uh, and then one more as we get older the expectations change especially in long-term relationships the needs and wants change I once caught this older man copying a feel of his wife's butt at the grocery store she slapped his hand with a cute smile on her face they were probably mid-60s but obviously obviously still have the spice for so that's always nice to hear now I want to talk about pornography and um, women so if you ask women publicly about pornography some will say they enjoy watching but many condemn it right they say it's off-putting misogynist uh, misogynistic or sometimes worse in uh, 2000 the 2019 Google Analytics data showed that the audience for Pornhub which is the world's most popular porn site with 30 billion views annually is 32% female. There was a study out of at the University of Denver that looked at individuals and among the women 45% said they watched with their partners 30% by themselves. So who who are these women who are watching? Who are these the 32% of these um, women and here is what uh, what was discovered some feel curious about sexual technique and they view porn to learn more others experience male style lust in other words they feel as horny as most men and like virtually all uh, you know interconnected men use porn as a visual aid while while masturbating uh, some view feminist porn and many watch to spice up partner lovemaking but what they're saying here, at least this article was saying that it doesn't add up to the one third of the porn audience. And what they're suggesting is what has been overlooked is the large proportion of women who have BDSM fantasies of sexual submission. And so who will watch kind of like the 50 shades of gray, right? Which was a I would say it was like a, a very light porn <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for, for main audiences introduced women a lot to this idea of submission in, in, in like visuals. Uh, but I would think that is what, uh, a fantasy that, uh, that women uh, do have now, Paris, you're familiar with the porn industry, having interviewed lots of people in that industry and, and such, what are your thoughts on this? It varies for everyone and anyone who just wants to just say, you know, all adults is terrible. It's, 
you have to understand there's something it's like saying cheesecake is the same all around it's it's not there's mm-hmm. different kinds of cheesecake and you may love one and hate another it's the same with adult entertainment it's made to entertain and it's just like there's different types of movies from rom-coms and fantasy and sci-fi and cartoons and horror flicks it's the same in adult films so there are some that are extremely plain they're you know just individuals self-pleasuring uh, to cartoons, so you know, it just it, it honestly ha- caters to every taste, and women, just like men, have all kinds of tastes. So I'm shocked that the number is still that low. Oh, really? Percent. I just feel like women, you know, enjoy it, enjoy sexuality just as. I mean, they're fifty percent of this partnership. You know, whether, whether well, except in obviously gay, you know, in, in gay couples, but in straight relationships, it's the same thing. Well, you're, you're 20 years younger than both uh, myself and Dania. So what, like in your circle, in your friends that you know of, in terms of, of uh, watching porn or talking about watching porn, is it is it something that's really open? Is it like do you talk about the kinds of porn you're watching? It's not. I think what we're talking about is how much more open and common it is. Like right, just the concept of sexuality is completely different now than it was ten or fifteen years ago. If you remember the Super Bowl halftime show with Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson oh, yes. ripping off her top the and her thing. boobs coming out. Right. Exactly, but her, her her nipple was completely covered by a piercing. And if you saw um, Cardi B's latest video that came out, she has pretty much the same outfit on in the videos on YouTube mm-hmm. without age restriction. Right, right. Well, so, so it's... And and we know the audience now on YouTube is all ages, and the audience for Cardi B, you know, it's not age plus. It's literally everyone. Okay, but still probably younger. Like, again, I'm looking at the generational thing between Dania and I, who are baby boomers, versus someone as young as you, right? Oh, it's completely different. I I just think that, and it's going to be completely different for someone who is in their, I, I think, girls, Teenagers, 16, 17, or even 20-year-old girls have a completely different mindset when it comes to sex, sexuality, and sexual empowerment. Whether or not their sex ed in high school gave it to them, they are feeling more empowered. So that's interesting. So the youth of today versus the youth of when we were younger, Dania, that maybe women in, from our generation did not get that sexual empowerment until later in life, because women back in our back in our day, um, women were uh, judged and shamed, slut shamed. Slut shaming was big, right? So yeah. for uh, the women or the girls that were the teenagers that were having sex, then like in high school they mm-hmm. were shamed by others. Like, it's not the empowerment I think that women have today. Uh, young women I'm talking about. Paris, you think? I totally agree. And, mm-hmm. But it's not just sexuality. It's just general. I, I saw this tweet uh, earlier today, actually, and this tweet, it's, it's a, her name is Migs Boson. I'm 
crediting the, the person who tweeted this. She wrote, do you know what's gross? Women get addressed by Miss, Mrs., or Miss because society deems it important to know if she's single, married, or widowed. Men, on the other hand, are only addressed as Mr. because their relationship to women does not affect their social status. Mm. I absolutely <laughs> believe that when it comes to sexuality and social status, women, this whole, whether it's empowerment or slut-shaming, it, it, it's a burden carried by women. By only. women. Right. Nobody really slut-shames men in that way. So what you're saying really then is the double standard and what that tweet what tweeter was saying is the double standard still exists. It does, but I do think if, if we're talking gener- generationally and you're comparing myself to you, then I would compare myself to a girl who is, you know, 25 right now mm-hmm. or, you know, 30 right now. Her experience probably is very different from my experience. Right. Dania, when do you feel you became empowered sexually? What age? Mm, probably in my early 20s. So you felt empowered then? I did. I always, I, yeah, I really, really did. Um, I also got married very young the first time. Right. But yeah, I, I, I went away to university. I lived on my own. And then I, you know, moved and I lived in Israel for a couple of years. So I was very independent. Right. And I was empowered in a lot of ways and I suppose sexually as well. And I think, uh, well, that says, well, that says a lot about why we're friends <laughs> in terms of <laughs> our openness and we, you know, we converse a lot and right. I surround myself with, with women who are, uh, who tend to feel more empowered, I guess, in, in that way. And yet have met many who have only got their empowerment much later in life, much later mm-hmm. in life, because we didn't grow up with it, because it took a while for us to um, own it, you know, own our sexuality, own our orgasms. But I was also shy when I was younger, much shyer. Right. And then something happened to me and I <laughs> lost all that shyness. But I was yes, very you shy did. growing up, very shy growing up and insecure. So, yeah. Okay. Right. So when you have that, it's hard to feel Mm -hmm. empowered. Ladies, Paris, I don't know. Do you have any last words for our listeners? No, I'm going to leave them (laughs) on Dania's wise words. (laughs) Yes. Age before anything. Uh, Thank you for that. Paris, always a pleasure to have you with us. If people want to get in touch with you. Parisology.com. Easy enough. There you go. Follow Paris or you can listen to her uh, every Friday night at 9 p.m. with uh, John Paul and learn all about apps that uh, may be good for you. Thank you so much. Uh, Dania Beznos, if people want to get in touch with you. Pornhub. Pornhub? <laughs> yeah, wait, what? Why don't I know? <laughs> I didn't know that. You're a web You're a web girl now? Yeah, Paris has interviewed me many times. Pear Design Apple is the name of design. her company. No sex involved. <laughs> That's right. Ladies, miss you. Love you. We'll see you soon. Bye, Lori. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you all for spending your time with us. So appreciated. Thank you for your text as well. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon, tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlaurie.com where you will find all the past uh, podcasts as well as um, some TEDx talks that I've done and information about my book etc etc and where you can uh, contact me also coming up next here on CJD we bring you the CTV National News have a
a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.